0: Sweet. Yep. I'm here. All right. Hey, dude. How you doing? I'm great, buddy. Got the Monday. Got a Monday off. Um, yeah, it's Monday today. For those of you who aren't with me and Juicebox, A.K.A. Josh. Yeah, Monday. How are you?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know when this one's coming out, but I guarantee it'll still be relevant. Because this is gonna mm-hmm, always
0: be Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, but uh- uh, uh-
1: uh, I'm. I'm doing really well. Just uh, it's it's May uh, 11th day after Mother's Day, had an amazing weekend down in Philly and around Pennsylvania, so great. During yeah, day-
0: I saw on Facebook, you said you had a nice day, a nice weekend, so that's that's good. Yeah. I, I don't go on Facebook more than like once a month. I'm like, oh, all right, cool, juicebox had a good Mother's Day, with um, my buddy Steve, you know, still drinking beer, all right, nice. Um, if you do use <laughs> Facebook, please Please what?
1: check out the Henry and Hops page though. If yeah. you do use Facebook and Art Art Hunter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should use it more for the podcast. But um, <laughs> anyhow, so I think one thing that we need to start off with today is that we are not drinking beer for this episode. Little uh, little departure from our normal routine.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, this is Phil Henry and Hops. Mm-hmm. It'll be a theme song here.
0: The intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer and talking about politics. Aww. Henry and, and Hops. Politics and, and, and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your earholes to, to hear. So let's so have Henry a brew, Hops, maybe just three be or two. Perchance Hobbes, discover Henry, new Henry shit Hobbes, that we never
1: knew. So come along. That's the Henry end of our Hops. song.
0: Yeah. Oh. That, that actually is the end of. That's it. Uh, we just talk culture and shit
1: okay uh yeah this is still henry and hops but uh today we're drinking coffee
0: yeah so so is there gonna, like a term for that like Hen- henry and cops
1: no well i mean it is still bruise so maybe henry and bruise will just ex- expand it
0: <laughs> yeah no i just like henry and hops Let's just keep with that um, yeah
1: forget it we're keeping it that
0: yeah so it's a little it's still we're still
1: talking about beer later yeah It'll be all it's just right.
0: it's morning time here, and we're trying to get serious about some serious stuff so we're we're gonna hold off on the beer for uh for after the episode maybe
1: yeah, like there are some things we can definitely talk about while drinking and even some political topics that we feel like uh is' it's not so sacrilegious to talk about when we're a little inebriated and unable to fully form our thoughts, but with this with this topic, we felt like we need to do a little more investigative and specific.
0: Yeah, that being, um, that being said, I mean, if it was in the criticism. evening, I would absolutely have a beer right now, too. Because sure. I think as Tom Peters of uh, Monk's Cafe in Philadelphia, the, the grandfather of American Belgian beers, said to me when I asked him to be in this podcast down the road, he said, I've always, I've always said that politics and religion are best discussed over a good beer. So I kind of do maintain that, uh, that ideology, but I got a long day ahead of me of fucking chores and wedding planning and just, it's <laughs> not conducive to drinking beer. So it's more that my lifestyle is limiting that. Um, but that being yeah. said, well, we, as yeah. it
1: should, as it should, we should all, you, no, everyone should drink responsibly in that way. I guess so. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So should we just dive right in? You want to tell us what we're talking about today, buddy?
1: Yeah, um, today we're going to be talking about campaign finance reform and its ramifications on the political system and our daily lives. And its lack and, thereof. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and what's going on with it today as opposed to, um, you know, just looking at it historically or in the future. We're going to try to figure out how we can impact things right now.
0: And, but first, we are going to start with
1: a little history, I think.
0: Yeah, okay, but first, I want to I actually just take a step back real quick, and um, it's funny because we are kind of calling this a campaign finance reform episode, at least the first one, but it's funny because certainly in the wake of Citizens United and in general, you know, for the last foreseeable past, it's really about a lack of campaign finance reform. It's really just about money and politics, Right. Right. Well, we're talking about the possibility of campaign
1: finance reform. It's like, it's yes. like talking about uh, passing immigration legislation. Like
0: Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah okay, fair enough. It's the end goal. Yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but go ahead. History. Shoot. Hit
1: me. Well, I, I, think, I think you said it. I mean, the place to start right now is Citizens United. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this uh, topic beforehand, and I was saying that I feel as if uh, every historical period of sort of money and politics has been defined by certain acts. Like I would say that the last the decade before this was defined by the McCain-Feingold Act. You know? Right. But this decade has been definitely defined by Citizens United. Absolutely. And uh, and I feel as if that's that's all we're discussing now because that's it. It just changed the the game in such a radical way.
0: Yeah. Um, it made I, I it. It opened a good place the floodgates. To start
1: yeah with exactly like in case in case you don't know about citizens united i'd say read up on it first of all in a way that because there's there's just too much to discuss that we can't discuss here but the the basic outlying principle uh i mean is that uh uh political expenditures uh from nonprofit corporations and and, and for-profit, corp- as well as for-profit corporations, which is the big thing that Citizens United Change and labor unions and other associations cannot be limited uh, because they are considered free speech.
0: And you can form political action committees that, as long as they don't have any literal ties to the candidate themselves, can fundraise unlimited amounts and... Contribute and, and spend them on behalf of that candidate without so called coordination, right? Which is basically yeah, collaboration. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. It which, just means that, I mean, as Stephen Colbert showed uh, in color, Flying Colors on on uh, Colbert Report art, rest in peace. Sorry. I mean, yeah. did you. Uh, when he was coordinating, for example, with John Stewart on the thing that he that John Stewart was financing, do you remember that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was I. I think that for all who watched that, it was kind of speaking to the choir because it was the Colbert Report. But absolutely, he he showed in flying colors how ridiculous, um, and unenforceable that actually is.
1: Yeah, and and certainly there are articles online which do a better job of taking the act to task on on the ramifications of super PACs than what the Colbert report did, which was definitely more for comedic uh, value. But I think, I think it does point out the blatant, how blatant you can be with your coordination and still get by on that technicality.
0: Right. And I think as well about how implicitly understood it it is kind of certainly among political operatives. And I, I think the media and to a certain extent, the public at large that, it's bullshit. Coordination is going to happen. Like, we all kind of like, yeah, yeah, but we all know that's that's fake, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so every, every I think every time I read about it or hear about it, and maybe I'm just cynical too, I'm just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, what'd you expect? Yeah. And I I think people were kind of, uh,
1: for the most part, shocked that Citizens United passed in the first place. I, I don't feel like there was a concerted movement behind it when it happened. Uh, It just kind of
0: occurred. Uh, Yeah, it's been. I I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I remember. So I was still, I was a senior in college when it passed, and I was taking some of my favorite economics classes at the time. And um, I remember in January, it passed in January two thousand ten, I believe. And maybe a week afterwards or less. Like pretty much immediately, uh in class we discussed this article written by Mason Gaffney, who's a big so, you know, Henry George, we'll talk about that at some episode at some point. Um a big kind of land tax guy and uh, a a disciple of sorts of Henry George, and just progressive economist, a great a great guy to read up on. He's like one of my heroes for sure. Mason Gaffney, look him up. But um he wrote this basically I'm just making I'm hopefully it's him and not Another one that I wrote, but we can edit this later. Um, basically, just predicting everything. Um, yep, I found it. Mason Gaffney is called Corporations, Democracy, and the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was written, okay, it was written, I think it was written like the next day, actually. This is amazing. Well, well, January 22nd? Yeah, I don't actually know when it was written. But shortly, I read it in, I read it in the uh, winter of 2010. So I read it shortly thereafter. Um, basically, he just rails on it. And he basically says this. Basically, he always brings it back to land policy. We can talk about that. But it all comes back to the fact that corporations generally derive a lot of their income from land ownership in one form or another. Um, mm-hmm. and he, this is his, this is how he gets from, from Citizens United to a solution, uh, in a George's fashion. He says, my own postulates here are in brief, one, corporations own a large fraction of the wealth in this country. Two, much of that wealth is in land. Three, taxes that do fall on capital are in part shifted to land. Four. Pure land taxes would indeed be better, but are not the subject at present. And five payroll taxes are worse and must bear most of the burdens that are shifted off of corporations. So that's kind of you know, anyhow. Sorry, I, I'm core, getting off topic. The, the, we should the, no, no, but that's that's the core of, of of Henry
1: George's principles, and and is a a easy fix in some ways. Uh, going back to what this podcast is about in the first place is that if we were to embrace Henry George's principles some of this stuff would be kind of irrelevant to begin with
0: right yeah and I think I think it goes without saying that in a a good George's democracy like there would be no such thing as like private campaign donations you know it's just ridiculous Um, right but I'm really stretching that there he never really talked about
1: that well what's interesting to me about citizens united as a as an act and and we'll we'll move on like to to what the ramifications have been and and how it's kind of played out since then i think but um it 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 takes its history from basically the mccain feingold act because uh mcconnell mitch mcconnell who i think we all know now is the turtley uh man <laughs> who, who leads i i don't know uh how do you know mitch mcconnell yeah uh, he's a turtle yeah yeah, all right. Um, he he basically led the the strike against uh, uh, the the McCain-Feingold Act, also known as the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act. Uh, in 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 uh, two thousand three, he tried to do this. Uh, he had a case called McConnell versus the FEC, where he mm-hmm. tried to do it the first time and failed bas- miserably, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. And for a long time, that was the deciding opinion that determined how campaign finance worked and it was citizens united was like the second push to overtake uh what happened with the bcra and it's interesting because that that push uh was even more extreme than the than the original backlash it almost reminds me of like how politics work in general where like every eight years we have a liberal candidate who kind of undoes what the conservative candidate did in a more extreme way and then we have a conservative candidate who theoretically undoes that it goes back and forth um, without ever really getting anything accomplished as a result.
0: Well, it seems like, it seems like in this case, this relatively what was going to be more of a blip on the political radar came up, and the Supreme Court, being stacked how they are, are like, you know what? You're bringing it up. We're going to give you what you want and so much more, because those are the ideals that we possess, Right. Yeah, and, it, and it's really – and I think it's the beginning of us talking
1: about – and, and it, this has been brought up a lot in the past, but I think that everyone now accepts the idea of sort of like an activist Supreme Court that, that is, so, is like a final vetoing power on all legislation where, where it's decided if there's constitutional legality, which used to kind of be Congress – yeah with with the president
0: we should do an episode (laughs) on um on like the history or the evolution of supreme court into more of an activist court and maybe you know look back in terms of the history and see if that is more of a modern thing and see if you know the liberal stack courts of yesteryear did the same thing to a certain extent i'm not sure yeah, no,
1: it's, I, I think it's an important... Well, especially with, like, Brown versus the Board of Education and things like that, like, it's a, it's an interesting debate to get into because uh, I feel like it opens up a whole wormhole of, of issues. And when you start talking to law students like I have about the idea that we should reevaluate uh, lifetime appointments for Supreme Court justices, it yeah. gets into some tricky territory because, you know, you can't really... Uh, you don't want to have... Uh, people in those positions making decisions based on the idea of re-election or based on time
0: in post post public career jobs which is what it's always about too but
1: but that but that happens anyway like that's the problem with the system is that right now it's ingrained in such a way that you can retire whenever you want and it, during that time create alliances with whoever you wish and there's really no way to override you in except for what is like you know a sort of indictment, which, yeah. getting Fear. getting an indictment on Supreme Court justice would be so hard.
0: Well, no no no, 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 no. Wait, I'm talking about, like, working after you're out of the public eye, and very, like, Supreme Court justices are usually pretty old when they retire, you know? No, yes, yes. But I was saying that, like, like, I
1: guarantee that, that certain, there's no way to check, but I guarantee that certain Supreme Court justices have some sort of financial backing in certain institutions that, that oh, are going yeah. to, like, Help out with family ties or whatever, oh, yeah, whatever yeah. ways that may, yeah, yeah, I'm may sure. benefit their personal relations. And there's no way of ever regulating that in a yeah. way that you can with politicians because they're not ever up for that re-election.
0: Right. Well, I think the big regulation is just if this is goes along with campaign finance reform because even if you strictly limit um, private donations, or as we're gonna talk about, you know, enhance public donations through, you know, public funding of, of elections. Um, the whole revolving door between the private sector and Congress slash the government is another kind of, uh, corruption along the same lines that is harder to quantify in pure monetary value, but isn't actually, Never mind, It's actually easy. You get paid millions of dollars upon, uh, if you're like, if you're like a boss and you leave the Senate dude. You get a couple sweet, like, board memberships, you get a fucking consulting (laughs) gigs, man, then you go on a little speaking tour, and you're making several million dollars a year, you know? It's insane. Definitely. Easily. More than
1: you ever could. If you've
0: played your cards correctly. Yeah. Otherwise,
1: you may end up with nothing. That's the other issue, is that, like, if you were to actually be a politician and do it correctly the The amount you get paid while substantial doesn't amount to how much we should be paying those people for public office. Do you know so, what I mean? Yeah. So like probably the, to yeah, the private interest. sector. Yeah.
0: So yeah. there's two yeah, solutions, yeah, exactly. right? The two solutions would be one, uh, limit or re, or or eliminate the revolving door. So you'd be like, you can't work in a sector that you regulated or had any contact with for five years after uh, you retire. Because so, I mean, they already... Right. That's always being discussed. And the other would also just be pay them fucking way more. So the incentive's less. Yeah,
1: yeah but we kind of have to pay everyone more. It's like it's like what I was talking about the other day about like how I have certain jobs that I feel like I'm being overpaid for, but then I think that I'm just being... That everyone else is just being underpaid for their jobs.
0: It's not yeah, actually that I'm exactly, being overpaid. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, so, so I feel like people would be like... Congress is getting paid too much at that point, but it's actually that we just need to up everyone's wage to be equal to what the private sector in its highest form is supplying people.
0: Yeah, how about this? How about you just make it so that if you are elected to Congress, you can never work in any industry that you are, are, are um, uh, regulating ever again? Yeah, that would be fair. I think that, I mean, it's kind of extreme. Um, and the argument... Yeah, but that, I mean,
1: as as long as there's uh some sort of retirement plan for a congressman where they would have like some sort of... If we have a social safety net
0: for everyone, mm-hmm.
1: it doesn't really matter. But we've right. talked about that a little bit
0: before. Right. But the argument against that would be that these are the people that actually know, you know a lot about these industries, so they are most qualified to work in those industries. But that's not fair because we we also are saying that you can come work from the private industry into congress you just can't go back well i feel like there should ne- that there should be
1: i mean you're right you're right it's a complicated issue because you don't want somebody who's unaware of the industry and um, uneducated in a topic having anything to do with a regulatory committee for that topic like that's a big bit of a big problem with the internet for example in yeah the regulating internet
0: Right. Um, so you so, kind of so want people deb- that, yeah.
1: Yeah. So so it does get into complicated issues, but I I do feel like there has to be some sort of um, barrier that's kind of like how we don't mix uh, politics and religion theoretically. Yeah. That we we need to put up between the private sector and political and and this is really getting into campaign finance reform in general because we're really talking about the idea of getting politics out of money, period.
0: Money
1: because out of politics. To, um, yeah. What am I saying? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to flip votes. that, reverse that. Wait, uh, scratch that, flip it. Uh, what was the line? It's from. I'll get back to that. It's Willy Wonka line. Don't worry about it. The Willy Wonka quote I'm trying to think of is, of course, strike that, reverse it. Anyway, uh, but we should say, I think that like, the majority of Americans now, in, in most uh, polls that have been done, uh, oppose Citizens United. Um, it's, it's like 61 to 22 percent. So it's a pretty big... uh, With the other undecided? Opposition. The rest of them just don't know what it is or care.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, my fiancé did a uh, presentation in graduate school, actually, about Citizens United as, like, a social issue. And they were astounded to find out how many people in their, like, graduate course hadn't heard of it or knew about it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, granted, she, she she went to school for social work. It's not like she was in a public policy school, but, like... You know these are twenty something, thirty something, presumably well educated adults. Like, yeah, but I feel
1: like politics don't interest some people, and maybe that's that's partially why I think we did this podcast in the way that was like about beer and politics, and not just politics, is too, because politics itself can be, and I think that's why comedic, uh, comedic, uh, political shows have had such uh, a uh, a large presence with youth viewers yeah speaking terribly i'm sorry
0: no no Um, no. it's okay i uh, think you're
1: right i i i I feel as if like we don't connect with the with the dry language of of political discourse uh, well that that, that we're used to in this country
0: yeah and i think what's funny is you know everybody derides the um the daily show as there was a whole thing where it was like this percentage of American youth get their news, or like 20-somethings get their news from The Daily Show as a primary source, right? And that was derided right. as, a negative, as a negative thing, and I can totally see how that is true to a certain extent. But I disagree with it overall, because that assumes that in the absence of The Daily Show, they'd be getting their news from CNN, which is also bullshit, in my opinion. Are not also bullshit, but is bullshit in very other ways. But I think the reality is that a lot of these people um, who were who are in that demographic just wouldn't be getting any news in the absence of the yeah. Daily Show. They're watching Comedy Central, yeah. and Jon Stewart's funny, and he also is talking about news, so they're like, oh, that's fucked up. And maybe they go and they do research and get other opinions online. Maybe they don't. But I think, certainly speaking from my experience, that was more how I um, – I'm not like going to watch fucking MSNBC or CNN or whatever um, – if I'm not watching Daily Show, I'm going to be watching, like, fucking Workaholics or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, it, well, I, I find it twofold. Because, I I first of all, I think that uh, through comedy, you're able to be sometimes more honest than the dishonest uh, vernacular that we're used to in in Washington. Yeah. But I also think that uh, uh, there's a lot of issues in the modern world. Like, like they say that when you read a, a New York Times now, you're getting more information in your life than... You're getting more information in that newspaper than a person who lived in 1820 got in their entire life. So, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot to take in in terms of the tragedy of the world in general. I feel like we're all trying to um, sort of conceptualize global mm-hmm. society. Yeah. And uh, and that's a lot to take in. So being able to laugh at our inconsistencies and... Uh, our lack of uh, ability to do something about some of these issues can be um gratifying because otherwise we would just cry you know yeah and i think i felt
0: yeah i think you're right That's i felt watching a
1: lot of those political shows besides like john's like besides the daily show when i was when i was younger was that i i just felt like i was constantly worried about everything
0: oh yeah me too man me fucking too and was slightly unproductive yeah, and I also think that one thing that kind of still is boggling to me is how we are so connected in a way that allows us to see news from all over the world. Just as a as a easy example, and see all these tragedies. Yet in the even in spite of being so connected, there's there there is still so much suffering and and death in the world. And it yeah. seems so ridiculous and like here we are like recording this conversation from different places in real time like with each other and then we're going to put it for people to hear and also like i'm eating good ass food and like sitting in a climate controlled room and you know burning some sage right now because it makes the house smell nice (laughs) like all these like creature comforts Sorry, i'm getting way off topic but then you just are like oh and and we're talking about like just death that we have no way to really fix three thousand miles away yeah, and so you kind of have
1: to laugh, or, or uh, otherwise you just snap. I think it's like it, it's very easy to, yeah, to lose it and just lose interest entirely because you feel like there's nothing you can do.
0: Yeah, I uh, think I need to laugh to like not completely disconnect from the issues and to keep laughing until I get to a point where I can actually manifest change on a, a, a significant level. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. think that we and, should? And I... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, and, and I think with like what we're talking about today, campaign finance reform, we need to look at ways that we can actually fix this and not just complain about it, not just get to a point where we feel like this is something, Citizens United is something that is a forever that we're going to have to just be dealing with and, and dealing with the repercussions of.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I have a lot of hope for you know, recent grassroots efforts such as uh, Lawrence Lessig's Mayday Pack. And this is a perfect episode to actually talk about that. But do you think that we should do beers real quick, throw in a commercial, and get back to the potential solutions? Yeah, yeah.
1: I I do want to say one thing because I feel like we're going to jump, like, after this into, like, where we're at right now with uh, Citizens United and and campaign finance reform and where we're going to go to in the future. Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of leaving the past behind. Which is to say that, like, during the time that Citizens United was passed and during those uh, eight years in between, there was a switch in the conservative party – uh, in principle, because if you look at the, the core players of the conservative party in like 2002, let's say like the early Bush years, somebody mm-hmm. like McCain, uh, w- w- a lot of those those core politicians were very against Citizens United. And McCain himself said that he he thought the act was arrogant, uninformed, naive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I feel as if there was a lot of vocalization from that from the, the core party members or the old core party members uh, against this act. Because it doesn't represent uh, conservative values in the idea of um, like like freedom. Because it, it's a new sense of what freedom is, and it, and like I said, it's kind of a corruption of libertarian values. And uh, and I think it's interesting that this this neo neo it's it's neo capitalist um, doctrine has has taken over the Republican wing, which used to be so anti. Uh, it it was just it was they were all about destroying the government for fear that we would have uh, entities controlling it. You know.
0: Yeah, I guess and, and so. Now,
1: and, and now, rather than promoting the destruction of government, they're promoting the the co-op the entities. Yeah, the co-option, which is yeah. it. It's, it seems like it, it, You know where, what's the end game, in that in that scenario.
0: Well, that's an interesting that's an interesting dichotomy. I don't necessarily. I didn't see it that way, but maybe you're right. I mean, I always kind of thought that, like, it's it's always been about just controlling the government to for their own ends, which is more money, essentially. But I guess initially it was a little bit more pure-hearted Ron Swanson style, where they're just like, we want the government to just shrink and shrink and just die in a cave. And then now they're more like, well... That's not going to ever happen, so let's just give the veneer of a democratic government and then just fucking own it which well, is my, smarter. yeah my,
1: my, yeah, my issue is that is that in the original like principled position, I mean obviously the position itself was corrupt for, for I would say like both political parties have been corrupt you know for at least like 30 or 40 years. oh so it, it, it's yeah, kind of, of null and void but I'm saying from the political position of the people who support these parties who support a Mitch McConnell. Uh, or McCain, you know what I mean? The the voters who who back these policies theoretically. Yeah. Uh, the original the original viewpoint was was that the free market would regulate these companies so that you know one company would not monopolize an industry because yeah. the gov- government wouldn't be there to regulate uh, the and market so that one company would st- yeah and pick favorites. But now they're basically allowing the favorites of the market to control the industry through the government that they were originally going to get rid of. Right. You know, through Be- those regulatory agencies.
0: So, and, and this is kind of where, like, my economics comes in because I'm, like, there were people out there that actually probably believed that the free market would regulate itself. Um, but I, I I really think it's, like, how Elron started to believe his own bullshit. You know what I mean? Because it justified yeah, his yeah. own craziness. It's the same way that, like... <laughs> Milton Friedman, right? He's the godfather, kind of this whole thing, at least the popular godfather. It goes way back before him, but it's, that's kind of the modern school that has led to the free market you know, doctrine that has been perpetuated in recent decades, and certainly even like the bullshit thing called trickle-down economics that even Laffer agreed upon its <clears throat> attempts was actually not really based on anything legitimate. It's, it's all like self-backwards justification where you're like, well, we want to get rich, and we want the people that pay us to get rich that keep paying us. So if we talk about the free market, it seems like, it seems conceptually sound, I guess. People are gonna be like, okay, I'm not an economist. You're, you're, you you're have a doctorate um, and you you sound smart. <laughs> so, I, okay, fair enough. Less ta- I like less taxes, right? So they equate less corporate taxes with less personal income taxes, which you know, are just like, less taxes means good things for everybody. And then you're able yeah. to push through all, like, actual, like, average citizen crushing b- huge business helping policies when and they think that it's helping them, basically. Yeah,
1: and they think that it's going to drive small businesses to gain on the larger entities. But what they don't realize, it's disproportionately helping those entities. To
0: yeah, the, it's already stacked against the little guy. Like, you're just exacerbating that fight. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, that is, yeah that's, that's exactly it. To the extent that they think about economic policy, it's through the lens of small business, in which case they're actually voting against their own self-interest 99% of the time. Yeah.
1: All right, so we're going to take <laughs> a break and then come back and talk beers and what, uh, what's going on with uh, Citizens United now and how yeah. we're going
0: to try to change it. Good, good luck to us. So... This is the official Shep Lapley call for American patriots. (laughs) Pardon me. Cigarettes have not been good to me over the years, but that's for another day. I am looking for true Americans who really think they have what it takes to be American presidential contenders. Now I got a lot of money and I can spend it on you. Like I said, I've seen it done before and I wanna take it to a next level. Now, pretty simple guy and I got pretty simple demands. I only got one thing you gotta agree upon as your primary platform and everything else, you can fucking do whatever the hell you want. Pardon my French. Now, the one thing I care about is marriage, all right? Now, I'm not talking about marriage equality. Now, I'm not talking about anti-marriage equality where it's a man and a woman in fact i want to dissect that a little bit and all i'm asking from you is is if we can for the love of all that is holy pass legislation that once and for all recognizes the relationship between men and bears now a lot of you might know this a lot of you might not the bears are more than human. They can love deeper, they can feel pain at a much greater level, and I tell you what, when you're lonely, scared, and wet, nothing you want more to come home to a wonderful bear to hold you tight the night long. That's all I ask. I have deep pockets, and lots of bears. Now, please feel free to visit our website at BearsForAmerica.com. Like I said, we will win this election. Money is no object. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show. There you go. Can you hear this? Yes. Quiet. spectacle. I am simply here today. He's so good. I love him. To take as long as I can to explain <laughs> to the American people the
2: fact that we have got to do a lot better than this this agreement. Okay.
1: Is he, is, on this is he talking about the uh, Pacific trade deal there? Is that what that was about?
0: No, dude. He was talking about... The uh, <clears throat> is, I think, the oh, filibuster yeah. that he ran in 2010, December 2010, and I honestly forgot what it was about because I'm an asshole. Well,
1: um, that's funny because that was like but, literally a month before what we're talking about with Citizens United. With no,
0: it's it's December, so it's like, oh, like it, it's 11 months after. Sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. Yes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So here I got the first campaign interview with Bernie Sanders on Ed Schultz's show, The Ed Show. ...on
2: this announcement. Certainly it is a, a big challenge for you. But I want to go right to today's news, Senator. You are now president of the United States. You see what's unfolding on American streets. What's the problem as you see it? What's the solution? Uh, well, the problem is, is that for many years, uh, police um, brutality and the killing of innocent people has not been dealt with. That's a fact. The good news, Ed, is that the American people, not just the African-American community, are saying enough is enough. You can't hold people in custody and suddenly find out that they're dead. You can't shoot people in the back. You know, in South Carolina, a conservative southern state, a police officer was charged with murder. I'm a former mayor. I know that being a cop is not an easy job. But when police officers misbehave, they've got to be held accountable. The other good news is that all over this country, when people are beginning to stand up and say enough is enough, change is taking about. you ask me what I would do as president, number one, we would fight hard for police reform, for body cameras, uh, for the training that police officers need to know how to treat people who are uh, in
0: captivity with respect. But the underlying issue in terms of (laughs) the community, as I understand it, do you know what the unemployment
2: it's extremely high. It's over higher there, and they've lost so many manufacturing jobs over the last 15 years.
0: The, 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 the <laughs> Ed wants to, to the right. talk. Alright. I'm glad he's bringing you it back, back to economics, though, because that's the core of the problem. And that should be the core of his problem. Well, that's what he was getting to, yeah. That, that's what he was going to get to. And, yeah. and then Ed, he's like, Ed, I was going to say that. Fuck you, Ed. You asked me the question. I, I'm Barney Tyner. <laughs> All right, And the, the truth is, just like you said, Ed, that they've been losing economic opportunity for over the last four decades, and frankly, they're, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a community of oppression, the cops are, do not live in the communities which, which they serve, uh, the racial makeup of the police force is not representative of the communities whatsoever. No, he probably wasn't going to talk about that. Anyhow, um, so, are we back? You done with coffee? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh man, he's a cutie. Well, Bernie Sanders. Well, it's interesting. I'm a former. I'm a former mayor. I know. I know that being a cop isn't easy. It's great. So there's as
1: a speaking of Bernie Sanders, who I think we uh, mentioned at the end of uh, our last episode on presidential candidates. Uh, he's he's a perfect person to talk about in his efforts to uh, fight against Citizens United, but also um, take on uh, economic policies in general uh yeah but but then again uh i'm looking at an article right now and i and i think we talked about this earlier that that suggests that like all of these efforts by democratic um representatives are are like more uh more efforts to just control the financing uh and less to rake, to actually stop it but then control it, you it? Know, how so well okay so well first of all uh, we should say that uh, Senate Democrats, like, this, is, this was back in September 2014. They were trying to overturn Citizens United, and Sanders was quoted as saying if people think this is some kind of esoteric issue, not related to jobs and the economy and wages and women's rights and income and wealth inequality, it kept going on. You are deadly wrong. Right. Um, and he was one of the co-sponsors yeah. on this bill that theoretically was to roll back the decision on Citizens United. Uh, but the constitutional uh, amendments language. The- this is now. This is not me saying this. This is a conservative blog that's talking about the the uh, the way in which this amendment would work. Um, okay. It, it's actually they're suggesting that it's trying to limit political speech for certain non P A C groups that are unrelated to. Uh, Uh, citizens united as a way of controlling funding outside of that decision uh now i don't know if that's entirely true this seems like a lot of hollabaloo but i'd love to know if uh people writing like if anybody who's listening to this who is a conservative commentator has more to say on this sort of topic because i i i think that it's hard this is one of those positions i have trouble understanding people who support citizens united um in, in, in once, right. once we talk about it logically for, for long enough if they uphold that position I, ha- I have a hard time um, understanding where they're coming from and so I'd love to hear more positions that support that side of the argument because I think for the rest of this we're going to be talking about how to uh,
0: destroy that or deconstruct that Mhm. exactly wait mm-hmm. I'm going really slow over here um, anyhow back to the topic I got to go really soon dude I can we finish this later today?
1: Uh, well, we can't do it today, but I could do it like next week or something. We can finish
0: it up. All right, just go. Uh, cool. What beers What beers have you had recently you want to talk about? Well, I'm really excited, always excited about Stone. They're one of my favorite breweries. And um, they have been releasing cool, cool um, beers that they've made for a little while in 12-ounce format. So I had the enjoy by 420... In the twelve ounce, that was amazing, and I recently got a six pack of um, the Cali Belgique, their Belgian style IPA in a six pack. It was great. It was amazing. I don't know if I've I ever had, had have that some one. In the fridge. Yeah, it used to come out in twenty twos, and it was like always pretty reasonably priced. Like you could usually find it for like six bucks, seven bucks, um, six bucks yeah, usually. Um, and it's like six point nine percent. It's basically it's like my ideal beer it's a west coast ipa made with belgian yeast and what's cool is you know in commemoration of the fact that uh belgium belgium is kind of divided in language usage right they have dutch and they also what is it german french french dutch and french yeah right yeah um so, like, roughly half the bottles printed were Cali Belgique, the Dutch, the Belgique, the Dutch way, which looks like Belgique, or the French way, Belgique, it was like the Q-U-E. Yeah. So, that's kind of cool. And, you know, they always are, are really, have really cool writing on the back of their bottles, too, which is another little fun thing. But, yeah, great beer, my exact style, super hoppy, but in a floral way and you get this, the fruitiness of the Belgian yeast strain coming right through. It's like the beer I always try to brew, basically.
1: Yeah. Hmm. That sounds really good. Yeah, I might have one later today. Maybe I'll have to find that around here.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you can. I imagine you can. Yeah. Stone gets pretty good distribution, I think. Oh, also the other one was the Waldo man. Had that a couple weeks ago. That was great. Yeah, that's that is awesome. Uh. Hmm. I, I think it's really clean,
1: and it and it's definitely like a full IPA though.
0: Like it was still an IPA yeah it is uh another one that I had was the knee deep from uh outside of Sacramento North Sacramento um they basically just all they only really make like hoppy beers it's kind of amazing and they don't do really any belt and stuff that I found but they do like like four different triple IPAs it's kind right. of ridiculous and um I had the hoptologist which was just like nine and a half ten percent it was just really sweet floral just beautiful beautiful great beer I'm awesome that that sounds
1: really yeah.
0: good. Um, what about you?
1: Well, I uh, the the beers that I've been drinking this week, uh, well, I had I been drinking like just casually resin, which I just always like. I think we've talked about it before, though. But uh, the ones that I wanted to highlight that I've had, um, I think I'm um, I i do not think I talked about this on a previous episode. But when I was at a, I've I've had this one a couple times. It's a I've I've been on a sour kick recently, so the two that I'm going to talk about today are both like sour wild ales. But I think they're both interesting okay, ones. Yeah. Um, ones uh, the first one is Finback Starchild. Um, I've never heard of Finback Brewery before this ale, but uh, it's re- it's pretty decently priced. They're actually they're actually like a Queens, New York brewery, basically like Glendale. Um, and they do this thing called Starchild. That's like a, sort of like a darker sour. It reminds me a lot of the Belgian sours that I've had, where mm-hmm. it's like it's got those deep fruity notes, almost like raspberry lambic. Um, mm-hmm. But but also tastes like sort of weedy uh, and not as not as like you can tell it's like an herbal fruit. It's not like actual fruit. It doesn't have that sugar content, you know.
0: Right, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, which is what I'm looking for in a sour a lot of times. So I really enjoy that one. If you can find that one on tap, it's only available like sometimes they they brewed it as a sort of experimental batch and i think they're going to bring it back at some point but it's right now it's
0: like oh look for the like look fun. for the brewery though for sure
1: yeah i don't know if i don't know if it's available out west at all because it was just like oh, i yeah, think yeah. ba- they brewed around here but i'm saying if you're in new york and you and you have it but the one that is uh, more available right now is um uh weyerbacher's uh tart uh nouveau which i just had for the first mm-hmm. time i didn't i didn't know weyerbacher right. made a, a sour ale but it was on tap at yeah. this uh New gastro I went to that's in Mukunji called Trapdoor, really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that new. Mm-hmm. It's actually in an Emmaus and it's not that new. It's like uh, it's been there for a few years, but but it's been gaining a lot of um, popularity in the area because they have really good food and beer list. As a lot of places like it, there's a lot of uh, beer related uh, uh, restaurants opening up in Allentown area. I'm not really surprised.
0: But. I think it's a big PA thing. but getting really big. You know, there's so many big breweries
1: yeah exactly and and from what I understand like a huge amount of the craft beer market comes out of Allentown because like I said that Sam Sam Adams like 80% of their beer is actually brewed in Allentown because right. they own that uh, Budweiser factory there or bought that one that used to be a Budweiser factory mm-hmm. um, anyway but this it's beer awesome. this beer uh, the Tarte Nouveau is very is a wild ale is a sour but it's like it's very like uh, grapefruity sour it almost tastes like kind of hoppy um in its sour (laughs) content it's still it's still like a low low alcohol content like 3.9 but it's got sort of like an orangey um uh i'm trying to think it's like it's like a very sessionable sour you know not that i think all sours are pretty sessionable but i think taste wise some of them can be a little extreme you wouldn't want to drink more than one you know Mm -hmm. whereas this one is Mm -hmm. like just basically tastes it's so it's so refreshing and and easy to drink that i think that you could drink a few of them and from what i understand they're pretty reasonably priced like the one i had on draft was like five bucks so that's not bad. damn
0: it's great yeah
1: yeah so it's it's like it's probably it's like it's like closer to like a ghost you know is that how you pronounce it ghost go say goose yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah goes i think yeah um Dude, I want to come. Well, that's another good reason to come east, is just to go drink some good beers that I can't drink here. Fair yeah, enough. well,
1: that's that's a reason to come west. So we're doing that. I, yeah. I don't care. I'm definitely gonna visit some breweries when I'm out there for your wedding after your wedding, probably.
0: So. Yeah, I'll come with you. It'd be great.
1: Yeah, we'll figure it um, out. All
0: right, listen, I gotta run, buddy. I'm sorry. No,
1: sounds good. We'll finish uh, camp finance reform later. I think this is great so far, though.
0: I do too. Um, hope if anyone's listening, they do too. All right. Yeah. Bye, guys. Peace,
1: you, peace. Henry and hops, Henry and Ops,
0: Henry and Ops, Henry and Ops Henry and Ops
1: <laughs> It's not sinking, dog. Okay Hey, watch the wolf suit.